Hello again, Firefighter Kingdom. My name is Vince Trujillo, and I'm the co-host for the Firefighter Kingdom podcast. We're actually on episode number four now, and we hope you guys are all enjoying it and getting some really good information. Today, we have another great topic continuing off of episode number three, which was on PTSD and firefighters. If you haven't listened, go ahead and give that back a listen. It gets some really good information from Dr. Rogers on that. And uh, we're going to go a little bit more over PTSD and how it affects firefighter families, first responder families, and some of those uh, reactions too. But before we get into that, I want to introduce again my host, Mr. Robert Sanchez, a professional firefighter and president of the New Mexico Professional Firefighters Association. Robert, how's it going out there? Good. Nice to be back in the firefighter kingdom um, again um, with some uh, great guests um, in the last uh, three uh, episodes that we had. And hopefully we just keep this pace up of having uh, been fortunate enough to have them uh, talk in our podcast. Yes, sir. And today we're very fortunate to have Miss Bernie Bruja, a mental health professional to talk about PTSD and how it affects the families of firefighters. So I'll go ahead and introduce her in just a second. But for those of you who don't know here in Firefighter Kingdom who Robert Sanchez is, Robert is a, a proud member of the IFFA for the last 19 years and was the longest serving executive officer of the current Albuquerque Area Firefighter Local 244. He's an executive board at over 16 years and a board member and uh, has concurrently served as the president of the New Mexico Professional Firefighters since 2019. Robert is appointed as a service representative for the IAFF 10th District under the leadership of the 10th District Vice President Frank Lima. So, hey Robert, you have a lot of stuff going on. Thank you for your service as a firefighter and all firefighters right now out there working hard along with first responders and healthcare workers towing the line for us in the public during this uh, trying time. We certainly appreciate it, sir. Thank you. No problems. Happy to be here. It's always an honor to serve. And like I say, uh, you know, it's the men and women of the fire service that actually do the real work. You know, we're just happy to represent them and try to, you know, represent them at the legislative level, trying to do what we can for whatever tools to make uh, our jobs easier for us. Well, without all of you out there, we as the public wouldn't have the support and everything we need, especially in these trying times we're living in right now. And speaking of support and getting some of that back to firefighters, their families and friends, our guest today is Miss Bernie Bruja. Do you mind if I call you Bernie? Sure. No, that's great. Thank you, Bernie. Bernie is a trauma expert who has been providing therapy for law enforcement officers, first responders, and their family members. She has been with Public Safety Psychology Group since 2005, and she is currently the Preventive Program Coordinator and Co-Clinical Coordinator for the treatment team. Ms. Bruja is a certified prevention specialist, and she has an independent license in New Mexico as a licensed professional clinical counselor. She's a certified as a professional lecturer by the New Mexico Law Enforcement Academy in topics pertaining to mental health, law enforcement, and crisis intervention and trauma. She is also certified to provide eye movement desensitization and reprocessing to clients who are dealing with trauma and PTSD. Thank you so much for joining us today. We know there are a lot of listeners who will be interested in your input and learning about your therapies. You know, I just recently heard about EMDR. The eye movement therapy sounds really interesting. Uh, we kind of looked into it for some stuff that are going on in our family. Did I get that explanation right? You're good. The, the EMDR stands for eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. So um, it's a treatment modality that we use for those individuals who are dealing with trauma, whether just sort of standalone traumatic events all the way up through a diagnosis of PTSD or PTSI. Right. Well, I mean, that's a heck of an introduction, Bernie. So, I mean, that's <laughs> a, that's a, <laughs> thank 
thank you. you. You should be proud of yourself for that kind of a resume. And thank you uh, for what you do for firefighters. Um, and um, we're fortunate enough to have you. And it's an honor um, to recognize you in this, in this program, just because I know all the help you've helped with firefighters and, uh, and, and first responders. And thanks again. And appreciate it. Pleasure. Yeah. Glad to chip in in the way that I can. I can't do what you guys do, but this is what I can help out with. Well, I mean, we need you sometimes, you know, so as a, as us working together and using, utilizing your expertise and your uh, education as, as a tool, it definitely uh, helps uh, firefighters. But, you know, I just, I wanted to get started first. Um, you know, I, we, we wanted you on as a guest because, you know, we recognize all the expertise and in, in your experience of you working with firefighters and their families. And we recognize uh, sometimes um, that firefighters do go through PTSD or PTSI. Um, mm-hmm. And can you, I mean, we, we, I just noticed recently uh, through just reading publications and through uh, news media that PTSI is um, uh, an acronym that we've noticed that the, the media has started using quite a bit more. And I, re- I noticed it and also in, in new legislature across the United States that has to deal with PTSD or PTSI. Can you tell me the difference or is there even a difference? Well, it's, it's pretty much the same. I mean, PTSD stands for post-traumatic stress disorder, and PTSD uh, is for post-traumatic stress injury. And I think part of the movement to shift from the first to the second uh, is more about reducing stigma um, because it really does symbolize it's not just, you know, some people don't want to um, sort of... Uh, like the stigma of the word disorder, but injury in the field is much more acceptable. And, you know, a lot of times you get a physical injury, you can have an x-ray. Um, and PTSD or PTSI doesn't, but it's no less of an injury. In fact, it's a lot more profound because it goes very deep um, into a person's emotional uh, exposure and their history and how they're dealing or not dealing with what they've seen. So I think it's just really to help reduce the stigma and just say, hey, I'm injured in this way. Um, and even though there may not be a blood test or, or something like that, but um, I know that I've got some physiological stuff going on. Research has shown that there's stuff going on in the brain and in the nervous system. I mean, it's, it's a really valid diagnosis. It's not made up. It's real. And, and I hope that people get help for it. Right. So, I mean, that, that's very interesting that you bring up the part. So, I mean, it, it's no different than, you know, you know, being on, on the fire ground or running to an EMS call and you spraining your ankle or breaking your leg. I mean, it's an injury. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. that's the, that's the way, um, uh, this is recognized or diagnosed also as a brain injury, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, and, and symptoms can range from, there can be nightmares, flashbacks and things that are happening sort of on the mental side of it. Um, but then again, the, the nervous system, um, kind of your, your sympathetic nervous system keeps firing which is basically like keeping your car battery on 24 hours a day and it just doesn't stop firing. It keeps you being hypervigilant, over alert, um, and you can never really get it turned off very well until you get some, some help to be able to do that and get the other part of your nervous system, the parasympathetic, to kick in and help um, regulate your body, get back to your normal levels of, of calm and ability to uh, focus and deal with the crisis again. You know, Bernie, in the last episode, we went over some of the PTSD for firefighters. I'd be curious to know from an outsider's perspective, what are some of the common symptom, symptoms to look for or observe if you are a friend or family from the outside? You just mentioned symptoms if you are suffering from PTSD. Yes. No, absolutely. Um, it, it can range. Some of it looks like um, irritability and anger. 
Uh, some of it can be some components kind of like depression, low mood, not engaging in things that used to bring you joy or passion, um, feeling much more tired, changes in sleeping or eating habits. Um, but then there's also additional things like that hypervigilance, meaning you can't stop feeling like something's around you. It's going to harm you. Your, your fear response is just so active and triggered all the time. Um, flashbacks or intrusive thoughts. The difference being a flashback is more like you're physically or your brain feels like you're back in the event. Mm. Whereas intrusive thoughts is just to keep popping up in your head all the time and you can't stop thinking about it no matter what. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, nightmares can happen. Anxiety can increase. So there's just, there's a lot of symptoms that happen. Um, and people sometimes notice for themselves that it's going on, but they don't want to admit it partly because of stigma or they just want to, you know, push through it because, you, you know, men and women in the fire service are very strong, both physically and mentally. Um, so they think well, I can just fix this on my own. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of times they're also getting feedback from their families saying, you know, um, hey, you're more irritable or you're grouchy or just people start pulling away from them because they're not. Um, at their previous level of functioning. And once identified, what are some of the next steps? Well, right now, counseling is a really good way to go for some symptoms of depression or of PTSD, excuse me, PTSI. Um, take medications, medications you can take with that or sleeping medications, whether it be, you know, over-the-counter stuff uh, or, you know, prescription but those just sort of deal with the symptoms. What I like about the mental health aspect is that we try to deal with the core problem. We like to go into the actual event or events themselves and process them down. And that's what EMDR uh, is a treatment modality for, but we can also do it more of the old fashioned way, mm -hmm. which is just sort of repeating the narrative, going through it again. Anything that we can do to desensitize to that initial memory, that traumatic memory, um, it helps the body start to say, I don't need to be alert with this anymore. I can sort of calm wow. down. I can remember it's fully in the past. It is a memory. Um, I can let my you know, parasympathetic nervous system kick in. I can just kind of deal with it from the present and let, put it back in the place of bad memory. Uh, but not, it doesn't have to be in my past or my present. Well, I mean, so leading into that, um, you know, like we had, we were fortunate enough to, you know, talk to Rogers in the previous episode. Mm -hmm. We didn't, you know, we didn't get a chance to just because of time talk about um, how how does uh, PTSD or PTSD PTSI affect families? So, I mean, you talk about you know being irritable, um, maybe coming home in a bad mood, or you know just not being you know uh, the father's or mother's or uh, spouse's self when they're coming home. So, just a whole change in the family aspect of it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes, you know, it's not their fault, but in, um, at the same time, you know, it's probably, it's not fair to their family to having to be suddenly dealing with, with these issues. So what, what can you tell us about families that deal with these issues and what are, are the signs and the, the coping mechanisms that, that are caused from it? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. I mean, like you said, it's not the family member's fault, but I want to highlight it's not the firefighter's fault either. Um, it is a result of unprocessed trauma. And they are exposed to that in a chronic nature, day in and day out on the job, uh, because what they're doing, what they're doing. Um, and so it's not, there's no intention to do it. There's no malintent that just develops over time because the, again, the memory of what happened was so traumatic and it wasn't processed out fully by the individual's body. Uh, but yes, I mean, the effects are there regardless of intent. Um, the symptoms happen. Individuals do come home. Again, the irritability is usually really high. 
Um, they're also really exhausted because that hypervigilance that's there is so on at work that when they come home, they're exhausted. And so whether they actually physically sleep or just don't connect with their families, it's just too much of an energy expenditure. Um, I talk a lot with my clients about emotional currency and basically an individual's emotional currency gets all spent at work. And when mm. they come home, they don't have much left to share with their families. So there's a lot of disengagement, um, which is really hurtful for the family members. Um, and they don't know what to do. They'll try, you know, a lot of things to re-engage, get the person to go out with them or to, you know, spend time together, play Legos with the kids, whatever. Um, but it doesn't, it doesn't help. And it's not, it's not that the firefighter doesn't love their family. Um, it's very much the contrary. They're still going to work to provide for their family. However, you know, the symptoms are so strong now that they can't really get past it on their own. Now, from a person in the public, we see that firefighters and first responders tend to have a certain personality profile, it seems like, from the outside. I know there's testing done. Uh, what, what testing do, is done beforehand uh, that can help them maybe identify some of these issues? Or is there ways to be proactive up front on how to handle traumatic situations or exposure? Well, <laughs> Again, a very great question. I mean, when individuals are applying for job with fire service, they do go through psychological evaluation testing, actually not evaluation, psychological testing um, to see if they qualify for the job. And some of the things that some of those tests are looking for are sort of personality traits, resiliency things, um, mm. the way that they're able to handle stress. Um, so some people, if they don't pass the psychological testing, it might be because they're bad people it's just that they may not have what we know psychologically speaking is the best group of traits and assets that serve firefighters the best um and then so once you pass that it obviously doesn't mean you'll never get um exposed to or have an onset of ptsi or ptsd but um you know what what we do do and it's different for different agencies we can provide trainings on psychological survival and you know, violent situations or critical incident stress debriefings after specific events. We can call us 24-7 anytime after a call, and we can either go out directly to the station um, and sort of do a debrief with the people on the team. Um, We can do that immediately after the call. We can do it two, three, four, or five days after, whatever the the individuals prefer. Obviously, the individual counseling. Um, so we can't, there's nothing that we can tell somebody to do or say that will purely prevent it. Um, catching it early is the biggest thing. So basically if you start to feel that you're thinking, feeling, um, operating different, uh, please take feedback from your loved ones. Seriously. They're not telling you, Hey, you're acting different just to be a jerk. They're telling you cause they care and they want you to get help. Um, so the earlier we catch symptoms, um, we can kind of get in there and do some treatment, help you process things out. Um, and, and kind of get on your way and feel better. So, I mean, going back to this, a family aspect, um, mm-hmm. is there, is there, um, what can families do to, um, get help, I guess. So, you know, so, so the firefighters, you know, they're not recognizing it themselves, which is, you know, not their fault all the time. Right. Um, uh, what could they do? I mean, what, what, what's some, what could they do to help them? Or, I mean, who, is there an agency to call into or is there kind of a public service number they can get help from? Mm-hmm. Well, absolutely. I mean, obviously at PSPG, Public Safety Psychology, Psychology Group, um, we we have contracts with lots of the agencies. And if we don't have a contract with an agency, we'll still see members of any first responder agency or their family members or children. 
um, just because we do understand the unique um, sets of stresses and stressors and pressures uh, that individuals related to first responder work and their families feel. Um, so we, we will definitely see them, uh, but any of the regular hotlines for, you know, suicide help, there's the, um, there's also a texting line, you know, depending on how severe symptoms are, any of those public services um, are available. Um, but in terms of what a family member can do, the best thing I can suggest is communication. But also remember that communication goes both ways. Um, it's important to send and receive messages to each other um, and, you know, let each other know that you're listening to each other uh, to get through this stuff so that, um, that you can support your loved one and let them know that you care and remind them that their service is out there um, and not getting angry. Because I think the tendency for family members is to be hurt by the first responder who's dealing with all of these um, symptoms. And then they lash out because they're hurt. And I think it, we need to have sort of a place of understanding. Um, we, we will always do trainings for family members if they want to learn more about what PTSD, what their loved one is dealing with. But um, you're letting them, uh, letting them feel they need to feel and know it's not personal, but also sort of encourage them to get help. Um, but without communication, I think everything breaks down. Right, so that so you know we all know that there's a there's a there's a way out right there's always help out there and there's tons of uh success stories for families and, and firefighters with ptsd correct I mean, i'm sure you've seen it so that's probably the happy if there's happy times <laughs> to see in your career that's yes. probably some of, some of them absolutely yeah it's it's great to see when someone engages i mean desensitization work is heavy work it is hard um and so a lot of times people who are already feeling really bad you know, kind of have to really think through, do I want to do this work? Because it requires kind of going back in to think about the memory, remember the images, the thoughts, the body sensations, the emotions that went with it, so I can process those four channels out. Um, and that's kind of the way that we do that with EMDR or any other desensitization stuff is really kind of get all those channels worked out. And that's what we find um, really gives a sort of 360 approach and helps individuals process it all um, in the best way. Um, but it, yeah, there's definitely ways to get help. There's definitely things that we can do, but it's, it's, it's a tall order to say, Hey, you're already hurting, you're struggling, your nervous system is fried. Hey, let's do some really hard work. Um, but when individuals invest in themselves and in their own families and know that this is going to be worth it, I've seen some amazing, amazing results. Well, good. I mean, it's good to know that there's light at the end of the tunnel, you know, so mm -hmm. just the firefighters know out there that there it does you know sometimes you might feel like there's no way out or there's light at the end of the again talking about stigma we know that there's stigma out there but i i, I know for today's day and age you know uh, we even got a, a senate bill 324 out um last session and and i think that that should uh explain a lot to firefighters that there is light at the end of the tunnel that you have you know at least the legislature and the governor know about it, where it actually got signed and passed, you know, the House and the Senate in a bipartisan yeah. fashion. So it knows that it was important to uh, to get out there for firefighters, that we know that there's actually helping people are actually recognizing that PTSD, PTSI is real. And it's just not some made up joke that people are trying to, to um, help themselves out with or, you know. Right. Yeah. People who are dealing with this stuff, really, they're, they're not trying to, seek unfair advantage or milk the system. I think individuals are suffering with this enough to, you know, the extreme point is obviously going all the way up to suicide, but even living life as a shell of what they normally would before. I mean, it's, it's very tragic and um, it affects them and their family 
anybody that knows them, their their partners. And, you know, I know in fire service, it's life and death stuff a lot of the times. And you mm-hmm. want to know that whoever's going out there with you has your back and is completely there, focused on the job at hand um, and giving it their all the way that you are. And so, you know, just as a family member giving you feedback, if a coworker gives you feedback, hey, you know, hey, man, like, it doesn't, doesn't seem like you're quite the same, you're a little bit off. Mm-hmm. Um, please heed those words. Um, don't resist them. Don't deny them. They're, they're telling you they care and they want you to feel better. Um, but you also don't want to let your team members down. Right. Well, I mean, perfect. And thank you for all that, for that information. Um, I think it, it would go well for our members across the state on um, this mm-hmm. podcast. And um, is there anything that might you want to add to this, um, on this podcast explaining, you know, PTSD, PTSI, or even the family issues? Yeah, I think um, a lot of, you know, kids get missed in some of these equations too. Uh, sometimes they're just so young, they don't know how to voice their concerns. You know, some of it just the regular, hey, my mom or my dad goes out there and risks their lives on a daily basis, which can be kind of scary, um, all the way up to seeing the results if, if a parent or loved one is, comes home with PTSD symptoms and um, the kids aren't engaging with their parent in the same way. Um, and the kids' depression, their anxiety can get a lot higher. And it's what's called vicarious trauma. Um, PTSD requires kind of by definition that, that the individual be exposed to a life or death issue. Um, but the vicarious trauma piece, PTSD and PTSI can be diagnosed for family members who were not present at the time just because they can see the toll it's taking on their loved one. And so, you know, kids, we need to pay attention to things like if their irritability increases, they're acting out at home or school, um, even sleeping a lot uh, can be the way that kids kind of shut down their own nervous system to just rest because everything going on around them is too intense. So if you see changes from their normal or from their previous levels of functioning for anybody, that's kind of the calling, um, calling card for this. So we want to kind of know everybody's baseline in a healthy form um, because you know, everybody's symptoms look different, just like everybody with depression can look different. Um, but you just want to see how much of a shift off their own normal is it? And is that a problem or, you know, that's ongoing or are they kind of processing through it kind of on their side on their own? And if they're not, then that's time to get help. And there is some type of support for the children? That's Absolutely. Support. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, with, again, with any place that PSBG has contracts with, we mm-hmm. see um, the, the first responder, their significant other. And any children at the home under the age of 21 uh, for free. There's great resources out there. Thank you. Well, thank yeah. you for that. I mean, that's definitely a benefit to our, our firefighters in the state and their children, you know, knowing that they, they're, you guys believe that much in your system and helping children that, you know, they can actually go see you guys for free. Absolutely. Yeah. Anytime, give us a call. We're here for you guys. Well, thank you very much. Um, uh, Bernie, um, it's always a pleasure talking to you and thanks again for working with firefighters and doing the job that you do because, oh. you know, uh, firefighters need heroes also. So thank you very much. <laughs> That's great. Thanks what you do, Robert. Appreciate you. No problem. Okay. Great discussion, everyone. And thanks again to Bernie Bruhan, everyone out there for listening. We hope you got some tips and tools that can shed some light 
for friends, family members in the fire service who may need some guidance or even for yourself if you notice P- how PTSD has affected you. Please share this episode. This is a very important topic and one that can uh, benefit a lot of people and someone may need to hear it out there. Uh, subscribe to this podcast or go to our YouTube channel called Firefighter Kingdom as well. You can also visit us at firefighterkingdom.com for more episodes, blog posts, and how to get in on interview if you would like to. Uh, we appreciate all our firefighters out there, first responders and healthcare workers. Thank you for all you do right now. I'm Vince Trujillo signing off. Robert. Uh, Bernie, thank you for everything you've done for firefighters. It's always a pleasure working with you. And like I said, you know, firefighters need heroes. That's why I'm glad you're here. Uh, I mean, you're here on our on our show. I'm just talking to firefighters again. You know, put in the comment box if uh, whatever you'd like to have a podcast about. We're all about it. And until next time, we'll see you uh, later, Firefighter Kingdom.